Hey, good morning. It's a Saturday, and uh, I had a just a, a nice, quiet time this morning uh, in the Word, and and just uh, you know, uh, I don't like to typically do a podcast unless I've got something that I think might be worth sharing, you know. And uh, and this just struck me as as something, and so I thought I would share it. So uh, as I was uh, reading in Matthew 17, uh, particularly the first handful of verses where. Jesus brings Peter, James, and John up to what we call the Mount of Transfiguration, and uh, and as they go up there, it's it's interesting that uh, the same three, Peter, James, and John, sort of the inner circle of the disciples of the apostles, um, they go with Jesus and uh, and 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 says they fall asleep. Uh, this, of course, would happen again in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, all too human, right? Uh, flesh is willing, or but the, the spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. Well, here we see sort of a, an example of that. And Peter, James, and John, they fall asleep. And all of a sudden, as they're there, Jesus is transfigured. Uh, he's, uh, there's a metamorphosis that takes place. We get our word metamorphosis from that set passage of scripture. And, and Jesus suddenly, uh, you know, whereas in the incarnation, they only saw him in his human you know, flesh in that. Well, it, it's as though in that moment, all of that was sort of stripped away, and uh, and he appeared as he truly is, and uh, just breathtaking. Can you, can you imagine like your eyes opening and seeing Jesus? You know, you see this portrayed in movies and stuff, and I'm fairly certain there's no comparison to the actual event, and uh, as hard as we might try, but just there he is in his glory. And, uh, and Peter, James, and John wake up, and that's what they wake up to. And not only that, but alongside of Jesus, on either side, is Moses and Elijah. And, uh, and they are just amazed at this. And Peter, who, is, uh, who just responds, you know, it's hard to think of Peter and not smile a little bit. Not because it's funny what he does per se. It kind of is in some ways. Uh, but, but really, it's, he's a lot we can relate right? We get it. He, uh, you know, I'll never deny you. Jesus just said you deny him. You know, he's the guy who pulls the sword and lops off Malchus's ear. And, and uh, he's the one who jumps out of the boat when Jesus is, is uh, the resurrected Christ, Jesus standing on the shore. He just reacts, you know, he doesn't filter. He doesn't stop and think. He just does, you know, and uh, boy, I get that. So anyway, um, so in that moment, Peter sees what's happening and he is just stunned into reaction and uh, you know most people have a stunned silence not Peter and so Peter just says it is good for us to be here and yes it is good for you to be there totally Uh, and then he goes on and he says you know we should build three booths here one for you one for Moses and one for Elijah let's build these booths and a voice comes from heaven Uh, the father speaks and responds to that and you know some have called this kind of a rebuke in a way, maybe a gentle rebuke. I, maybe, maybe that's a bit strong, I don't know, but there's certainly a moment where the Father teaches from heaven something really, really profoundly important. And he says, this is my beloved son, hear him. Now what's significant about Moses and Elijah? Of all the people that could have showed up there, Moses and Elijah, well, most typically, Moses is associated with the law. And Elijah uh, could very well be representative of the prophets. And so in this picture, what we might see, 
I think we can't be dogmatic about this, but there is there does seem to be a, a link here, uh, especially in, in regards to what the Father says about this. Because on the one hand, you've got the law and you've got the prophets, all of which are intended to direct us to Jesus. It's interesting, in, in, uh, in John chapter 5, verse 39 through verse 41, uh, 41, 42, but uh, Jesus is with the Pharisees, and they are, uh, of course, always antagonizing and testing and such. And, um, and Jesus says, you know, you study the scriptures because it's in them that you think you have eternal life, but it is they that speak of me. And he would go on in that same uh, discussion to talk about how he wouldn't need to judge them, but Moses would judge them. And if they really believed Moses, and of course the Pharisees and the scribes and the group, uh, those who were so committed to the law and knew it so well, Jesus basically accused them of not knowing it very well because he said, if you listen to Moses, then you would hear me. Uh, and so in other words, saying that Moses in the law spoke about uh, Jesus. You know, the picture of Christ in the scriptures uh, is not reserved to the New Testament alone. Uh, we see over 300 prophecies about his first coming uh, in the Old Testament. We see a, a vivid picture of his crucifixion in the Old Testament, even more so than we see in the New. Uh, and all of these things that point us to Jesus, well, the prophets, like Moses, were, you know, they spoke about many kinds of things prophetically, some very local, specific, some far-reaching, uh, a lot of millennial prophecy is in the Old Testament there. And so, you know, but at the heart of it all, Jesus could well say that the scriptures speak of him because they do. As a matter of fact, in Luke 24, when Jesus is risen and he meets the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, he teaches them what has got to have been the most epic Bible study in the history of Bible studies as he takes them through the Old Testament scriptures and demonstrates to them how the Christ was supposed to suffer these things and all. And so... When we're on the Mount of Transfiguration, that scene, we see, you know, really the law and the prophets pointing to Jesus. And the Father verifies this and says, this is my son, hear him. You know, the author to the Hebrews, interestingly, uh, in two places speaks to this very idea. At the very outset, uh, the author to Hebrews says, in various times and in various ways, God spoke through the prophets, uh, spoke to, you know, through the prophets, but in these last days has spoken to us by his son. In chapter 3, uh, the author goes on and he begins this, uh, even from the outset, you know, there is the, uh, this sort of theme that runs through so much of the book of Hebrews where Christ is better than or greater than. Right at the outset, he's greater than the prophets because the prophets ultimately were God's mouthpiece for a time, but now God has given his word literally incarnate in the flesh in his son. Uh, the Logos, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Um, but then in chapter 3 of Hebrews, the author goes on and talks about how uh, Jesus is greater than Moses because Moses was a faithful servant in the house, but Christ is the Son over the house, and so he's even greater than Moses. And so here in this scene back in Matthew 17, uh, we see here this wonderful uh, picture of both the law and the prophets ultimately there standing alongside of the one that they have been pointing to all along. And God says, hear him. Uh, for those who uh, look for a prophetic utterance from God, I do believe that there can be prophecy today. I'm not diminishing that. Uh, 
we first and foremost recognize that the spirit of prophecy is Jesus himself, as it says in Revelation. Uh, we understand that the prophets, when they speak, ultimately must bring glory to the Son. That has been their purpose uh, underlying their ministry all throughout the Old Testament. And any purported prophets today would promote the Christ, would promote Jesus. For those who are legalistic and think that we're right with God because the law makes us so, well, the, the scriptures make a very strong case against that. Uh, Paul predominantly spends a lot of time talking about how the law can only demonstrate how unrighteous we are and our incapable, our incapability to save ourselves, our inability. Uh, and so ultimately it points us to Christ. The law has always been intended to point us to our need to be saved, not that we can save ourselves. And so the Father from heaven sort of verifies this and says, hear him. What a glorious, simple, beautiful, um, just glorious truth to look to the person of Christ, to listen to what he has to say as we open the word and read these words and learn of him and walk with him and fellowship with him, even in our day, as we uh, draw near to him in our times uh, in the word and in prayer and such, and as we walk as disciples of his in our day. He becomes the central, not becomes, he is and always has been the central figure in God's revelation. He is the very revelation of God, the Word made flesh. Father, we just want to thank you for the beautiful simplicity of being able to look at Christ and to see everything that you intended for us ultimately to be led to. We thank you that your Word is replete from start to finish uh, with those who were called by you to lead us into recognizing our need for Jesus and then leading us into a deeper knowledge of him. And Father, we pray that we would not miss him, that, like, that we wouldn't be like the Pharisees who literally had the word of God standing before them, just a, a meter or two away, and yet they missed uh, him. And Father, help us not to miss him, but rather to hear him. And we thank you and praise you. We bless you and ask these things in Jesus' name.